Uh, good morning again. My name is Edrin, uh, lead pastor here at the sanctuary. Um, I want to take a moment and, and welcome all of our guests again. Thank you all so much for being here with us. We are um, this summer in a series that we're calling uh, Summer Jams, uh, where we take songs, mostly secular songs, and uh, look for a deeper meaning in them and, and use them as ways of thinking through um, discipleship and faith. And, and the interesting thing that I've seen happen in this series so far is that um, each of the songs has been an opportunity for us to speak about one of our, our values, some, something that means something to the life of sanctuary. And so if you've been traveling over the last couple of weeks or have missed one of the messages, I would encourage you to uh, go to our podcast, sanctuarycove.org. Um, you can find all our sermons there to listen to them and, and see what, what gets pulled out each week. It's really been an incredible series, and I've had some fun taking part in it uh, myself. And so we want to continue with that series today. But just before we do, I, I want to lift up a few things, just a, a few reminders for us as a church as we, as we continue together through this summer. Uh, the first thing is that uh, we, we mentioned earlier that on Saturday, uh, June 29th, we'll gather together at North Mississippi Regional Park for our annual church barbecue. We want to make sure that you uh, come out that morning at 11 and, and be, take part in that barbecue. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to get to know each other on a different level. Um, we love gathering on Sundays, but when we're sitting shoulder to shoulder in this way, and I'm up here just talking my head off, it's often hard to get to know the other people who are with you here in this auditorium. And so the picnic, the, the barbecue will give us an opportunity to do that. So please come out next Saturday. There's going to be a kickball game, some great food. Uh, we're going to honor our, our incredible volunteers, the folks who make ministry happen here at Sanctuary. So please join us next Saturday for that church barbecue. Uh, and then in a couple weeks, the weekend of July 12th, we'll celebrate my actual installation as pastor here at Sanctuary. Uh, we're really, really excited. Really excited about that. Um, my, my, my family's going to be in town. I have some family in town. Um, pastor Ephraim, our founding pastor here at Sanctuary, will be in town. Our beloved pastor, Pastor Dennis, will also be in town. And so it'll be good to get all of us together um, to celebrate what God is doing in this new season. And so we invite you to take a look at your bulletin that you received today. There's information around the schedule for that weekend. We would love to have you all be there and be a part of that. And then finally, on July 27th, um, Flow, the Northside Arts Crawl, is an arts festival that takes place every year here in our neighborhood. And we want to invite you as a church to come out and be a part of Flow. Uh, the main stage, the, the, the main uh, draw for the event will be right here out in our parking lot. And so we're going to play a major part in Flow this year. And we want you all to come and be a part of it. We have a goal of having at least 250 people from Sanctuary participate in Flow as volunteers and as participants. All right? 250 people. So that's you and you and you. At, all of us, we, we invite you to come and be a part of Flow. Check out all the creativity and beauty that is the North Side. Um, come and help us uh, present ourselves and represent ourselves to the community. One of the ongoing questions that we get often is people are traveling between their house and other businesses here in the neighborhood, not just the liquor store, um, is what is this place and what kind of church is it? A lot of people don't know who we are. Um, you'd be surprised how many times we get that question. And we want to use flow as an opportunity to represent ourselves to the community. And so after service today, there'll be a sign-up table in the lobby where you can sign up for one of a few volunteer slots um, to, to take part in um, one of the teams at Flow, but also come out as a participant um, to just check out the art, buy some art, support Northside artists um, as we take part in ministry here in the community. 
And so I want to take a moment and pray for us. Um, there's so much happening in our world, so many things that would, if we did not know uh, the God of all creation, would cause us to be anxious about a lot of stuff. Um, there's, there's, there's wars and rumors of war. There, there is so much tragedy happening in our own nation. Um, people are dividing themselves, tearing themselves apart from one another. Um, and we want to be a reconciling movement in the midst of all of it. And so let's pray together that in the midst of all that's happening in our world, God can use us as an instrument of good and an instrument of peace. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us, that you've called us to be your children to follow after you, and as our message reminds us today, to abide in you. So, Lord, I ask that you would help us to hear your voice, to see you in the ways in which you show up. And I pray, God, that we would, with courage, say yes to all the things you're calling us to. I pray, Father, that you would bless this church, that we would be the sanctuary you desire for us to be. I pray for our staff as we serve your people, that we would be wise and discerning and faithful. And I pray, God, that this community would see us and see themselves as a part of us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless those all around the world who are worshiping today, who gather in your name, including our brothers and sisters who gather in places where it is literally a crime to call on the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would protect them, that you would bless them, that you would help us to never forget them. So for our nation, God, we pray peace and prosperity, but we pray for justice above all things, that your will will be done and that all who have been pressed down and oppressed would be lifted up according to your will. Father, we love you, and we know you've called this community to be a part of your work in the world, so help us to do that. We pray that you would help us to see all the resources that you've already provided, and the gifts and the blessings that you've already given us, may we walk with confidence knowing that you've already prepared us for what we're moving into. Father, we love you. We give you our very lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the joys for me over the last several weeks has been stepping into this role of lead pastor and being able to test out some things and finding out what works and what does not work. And one of the joys that I've had is rediscovering how to preach as a lead pastor as opposed to just being an associate. You preach differently as a lead pastor because you're aware of much different things at that level. And so I've had this joy of discovering over these first several weeks of how to speak a word of encouragement and a word of challenge at the same time. The word invitation is a, is a word that's often used to describe Jesus' ministry. Jesus was a master of inviting people, of calling them to come and be a part of what he was doing. But Jesus was also a master of challenging people, of saying to them that there's something about your life, about your behavior that is getting in the way of you living the life that I prepare you for. And so Jesus was a master of balancing out that tension between invitation and challenge. Sometimes people need to be invited in, and sometimes people need to be challenged. Sometimes those things need to happen in the very same moment. Our message today is more of an invitation. It's an invitation to you to come and experience the love of God. And I chose the song, Stop in the Name of Love, very intentionally, because it's a song that I know many of you have heard before in a lot of places. Maybe you were alive in the 60s, and that was your jam. I don't know. 
or maybe you've seen it appear in movies and TV shows and, and other places as, as we celebrate Motown and, and its contribution to the culture. Many of us have known this song. This is not a new song. Stop in the Name of Love with the lead singer, Diana Ross, as she confronts a man, her man, telling him that I know you've been cheating. I know where you're going when you leave. And she appeals to his conscience. She doesn't threaten him like many sisters would. Amen, pastor. She doesn't threaten him. She says to him, think about it. Think about how good I've been to you. Think about what I've done for you. Think about how I've loved you. And in the name of love, I need you to stop. That's the heart of the song. Stop in the name of love. Baby, baby, I'm aware of where you go. Each time you leave my door. I watch you walk down the street, knowing your other love you will meet. But this time before you run to her, leaving me alone and hurt, think it over. Think it over. I've known your, your secluded nights. I've even seen her maybe once or twice. But is her sweet expression worth more than my love and affection? I imagine she was doing all that. You know, just to drive the point home. This time before you leave my arms and rush off to her charms, think it over. That's what she says to this guy. He's very composed, I I can say that. And many of you might be wondering, what in the world, Pastor, does this have to do with following Jesus? I want to warn us today, using the words of our sister Diana Ross, not not to run off in search of a love in place we will never find it. Instead, I want to invite us, using the words of Diana Ross, to stop in the name of love. This message today is an encouragement to slow down so that we might experience the love of God. Today is an invitation to first experience the love of God and then boldly express the love of God. And so I want you to join me today in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8, as we hear the word of God inviting us, I believe, to stop in the name of love. John chapter 15, it's known as the vine and the branches passage. It's a familiar passage, and here's what the word says. I am the the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, he says. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 is an important part of this passage. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Let's look again at verse 5 of John chapter 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me 
and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Our passage today is John 15. And John chapters 13 through John chapter 17 captures a discourse of an evening meal between Jesus and his disciples. All of the scripture is important to us. All of God's word is important to us. But there are certain sections of scripture that really give us a snapshot of the heart of Jesus. And this is one of those, those, those sections of scripture. John chapter 13 through John chapter 17 is important if we want to understand the heart and the ministry of Jesus. This is just before the Passover meal. So just before the time where Jesus would be betrayed, where he would be arrested and tried and put to death for our sins. And so in this passage, in these four chapters, we see an incredible amount of Jesus' important ministry and important sayings. We see Jesus wash the feet of his disciples. We see Jesus predict to, that one of the twelve would betray him. We see Jesus predict that Peter would deny him not once or twice, but three times. We see Jesus comfort the disciples, saying that he was going to prepare a place for them. Jesus claims here in this, this section of Scripture to also be the exclusive way to the Father. And then Jesus promises that he would send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who would come and live in God's people. And here in John chapter 15, Jesus describes a depth of relationship, a kind of mutuality that every believer is called to. He says in, in verse 5 of John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. In Jewish and Old Testament literature, God's people were often described as a great vineyard. Sometimes they were even called the vine. God was called the one who cared for the vineyard. He was the gardener. He was the caretaker. And God lavished care and attention on the vineyard. But, but despite that care, despite that lavish care, the vineyard, Israel, it grew unhealthy in, in unhealthy ways. And it produced that harvest time, nothing but rotten fruit. So Jesus then is presented to us in this narrative as the true vine, not just the vine, but Jesus is called the true vine, the one who fulfills what God had intended all along. And so in this narrative, in, in a healthy vineyard, we, we, we hear that Jesus is the true vine, and that frees us up. We aren't the vine. We are the branches. We're not the vine. We are the branches in this narrative. You see, in a healthy vineyard, Vines grow all over the place. They're often supported by something called a trellis. That can be something as simple as a stake, a wooden stake driven into, the, driven into the ground, or it can be a complex set of wires that allows the vines to grow all over it for support and guidance. It can be something more extravagant as well. But in the vineyard, a caretaker takes care of the vine. It supplies the vine what, it's need, what it needs, and the vine would then grow branches and as long as the branches stay connected to the vine, healthy branches produce fruit. Jesus says here to us, I am the true vine. and My father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Jesus goes on to say that even the branches that are bearing fruit, even the branches that are doing what they're supposed to do, from time to time they get pruned so that they can bear fruit 
more fruit. Brothers and sisters, perhaps you're here today, and this is a season of challenge for you. Perhaps you're here and you've been feeling like it's a season of God cutting on you. I want to suggest today that perhaps God has not been cutting on you. Perhaps God has actually been pruning you. Perhaps God has seen your faithfulness. Perhaps God has seen that there's much more inside of you. And rather than settle for a little fruit from you, God is saying to somebody in this room today, more fruit. Maybe rather than settling for a little fruit, God is saying more fruit. Maybe God has taken some things from you in this season. God didn't do it to hurt you. God is saying to you more fruit. Maybe God has ended some relationships for you in this season. God is not doing it for you to be lonely. God is saying to you more fruit. Maybe you find yourself pressed on every side, wondering which way to go, struggling to make it day to day. God is saying to you those same words, more fruit. If that is you today, God's word says to us, in this moment of pruning, don't pull away from me. Don't go chasing after a side piece. God is saying, abide in me. Abide in me. Remain in me, because as you abide in me and I abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. Amen. Here's why this matters. Jesus says, abide in me, I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. But he goes on to say, apart from me, nothing spiritually acceptable can be accomplished. That side piece is just what it is. It's nothing. It might seem to satisfy you for a moment, but ultimately you will see that apart from me, you can do nothing. Yes, you can put plenty of effort into what you're doing on your own. Yes, you can put plenty of energy into what you're doing on your own. Yes, you can throw money at those things. You can even make it rain. But until you learn to abide, somebody knows what that means. Come on. Y'all acting churchy today. Until you learn to abide in Jesus, nothing internally significant will come of all of our efforts. So this message today is an invitation to come and depend on Jesus. Jesus reminds us, I am the true vine. You are the branches. You grow out of me. And life and faithfulness are found in me because I am the true vine. To be disconnected from the vine is not just a bad situation. To be separated from the vine meant death. Brothers and sisters, in this passage today, we get two very simple invitations. The first is to come and abide in the vine. Stay in the vine. Remain in the vine. And the second invitation is simply this, to bear much fruit. What does this look like? Diana Ross says, in her words, it means to stop in the name of love. My first point today as we prepare to, to, to go a bit deeper is to slow down. That's the first invitation. Slow down and experience God's love. Slow down and experience God's love. That's my invitation for you today. Brothers and sisters, think about your life right now. How, how busy are you? Anybody feel busy in the room? How, how many plates are you spinning at once? praying that nothing falls and drops and breaks. Do you feel contentment or do you feel frazzled, pulled between one thing and the next, unable to fully be present with anyone or anything? Some of you right now are listening 
but trying to strategize what the rest of your day will look like because you have so much to do before going back to work. Perhaps you're here today and you're committed your life to caring for others. Maybe you're a teacher or a parent or you're caring for an aging, aging parent yourself. You're a social worker. You're someone who's an activist, deeply committed to social justice. Or maybe you're someone who's called to ministry in the marketplace. You're working in corporate America. You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to live out your faith there in corporate America. Most people don't know how hard you work, and they don't know how much stuff is pulling on you. And one day you look up, and you're right there on the edge of burnout or something worse. If that's you, if that speaks to you at all today, the invitation from God's word for you today is to slow down and experience the love of God. The invitation is to carve out a space to be with God so that you can be renewed by God's love. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about all of us, that we struggle incredibly with slowing down. So much so that life often has to slow us down involuntarily. Anybody ever been in that place? From time to time, life gives us what I'd like to call unintentional space to find God. I'm talking about situations you would not have otherwise chosen for yourself, but can be, that can become prime spaces for you to dwell in God's love. Anybody ever lost a job? Anybody ever been between jobs? Can you remember that time? Sometimes it's a time of deep concern, wondering how the ends are going to be met. Sometimes it's a time of deep embarrassment. And, and, and in, our, in our human nature, we work so hard to get right back in the workforce as quickly as possible. I want to suggest today that if that's you, if you are in between jobs, that can also be a space for you to connect with God as you're working. To find your next opportunity, I want to invite you today to take advantage of this opportunity to be with God, to simply abide. Before you jump into your next role, why not spend some time inviting God in? Perhaps this is your prayer, Lord, I'm yours. I'm standing in the need of your presence and your guidance. Yes, I need a job, but God, I need you even more. So the question might be, Lord, what are you calling me to in this space between jobs? What would you have me to do, Lord, with these gifts and these talents that you've given me? And how can I bring you glory in my work whenever I find my next role? Perhaps it's not a job. Perhaps you're here today and you recently lost a loved one. In the midst of that pain, that very real pain and those very real feelings of loss, how might you invite God into your life in a deeper way? How might you give yourself to abiding in a new and deeper way? Perhaps your prayer is, Lord, help me to experience your presence, your love, your power like never before. The invitation for us today, even in loss, is to remain with God, to to make our home with God, to stick with God. The word the scripture uses is simply to abide. Abide. To all of us in this room, there is a very real invitation today to slow down and experience God's love, to open up our lives to God's leading. And this takes time. Someone who are are already on this journey will tell you it can take a lifetime to practice this. It's slow work, and it sometimes feels like we're repeatedly starting over. But even if you've tried it before and failed, the invitation today still is for you to abide with God to slow down and experience God's love. The second invitation from our text today is similar to it, 
to slow down and express God's love. After you have abided with God, after you have spent time with God, then and only then can you effectively minister to others. Here's here's the reality. We can actually do more when we choose to first do less. We can do more for God actually after we've been with God. As we slow down, as we abide, then and only then do we bear more fruit. Friends, this is a call to a slow-down focused ministry for us as individuals and as a church. It's a call to define who we are and what we're called to do well. It's a call to a rhythm that says being with Jesus must precede doing things for Jesus. Amen. I'll encourage myself this morning. Here's what I know, church. Abiding leads to bearing fruit. Abiding leads to bearing fruit. We, we might want to do great things for God, but we must first learn how to abide because we can't effectively pass on a faith that we don't have ourselves. And I'm not just talking about head knowledge. Doctrine is important, but knowing God in the bones, there's something about sitting and letting it get in the bone. I'm talking about like a good stew. Anybody knows what a stone stew is? Well, you just let it sit there and cook and all the goodness comes out. I'm calling us to a life of stewing in Jesus. Of being with Jesus in such a way that we know him and he gets deep into our bones. And then and only then can we effectively go out to minister. Because we can't effectively bless others if we're unaware how God is even blessing us. And so the first invitation is to abide. To slow down and experience God's love. The second invitation is to bear fruit, to slow down and then express God's love. And as we slow down and as we abide, then we bear much fruit. So how can you practically begin this practice? If this is something that's completely new to you and you've never tried it before, I want to give you a little homework for this week. The first thing I want to invite you to do is find a desert place. Find a desert place. Somebody's saying, Pastor, we don't have any deserts in the city. What is a desert place? When when I talk about finding a desert place, I'm talking about carving out a space and a rhythm where you can disconnect from people and things and to connect deeply with God. Perhaps there isn't a desert here in the city, but there are park benches. There are bedrooms, there are, there are, there are chairs in the backyard, there's, there's a nook in the library with your name on it, there's a retreat center somewhere close by where you can step away from your daily grind and find space to be with God. God has some things he wants to speak to you, but we've been running so fast that we haven't slowed down to here. And so I want to encourage us today to find a desert place. Yesterday, my wife and I were talking about how we want to design our backyard. We recently moved into, into North Minneapolis, and we're trying to do some things with our backyard. And there's a neighbor down the street. She's incredibly gifted. She has designed her yard in such a way. Her backyard, if you, if you walk into her backyard, you would think it's some other place. You would never think it's in the city. She has created an oasis. That's the word my wife used yesterday. She has created an oasis in her backyard. And so while we're this summer playing firecrackers or gunshots, that's a real north side game, she has created in her backyard an oasis, a space where she can connect with nature. And I would go on to say connect with God. Brothers and sisters, in your house, 
in your neighborhood, in your community, I want to encourage you to find your desert place, your place where you can get away from everything and everybody for even a few moments a day and connect with God. And then in that space, here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to begin a personal inventory. That's the second part of how you can practically begin this work. Begin a personal inventory. Here are two questions that I want you to write down and to begin to wrestle with. The first question is, what people, places, or activities nourish my spirit? What, what, what fills me with delight? And what helps me to stay rooted in Christ? The second question I want you to consider is, what people, places, or activities deplete me? and make it difficult to stay rooted in Christ. Once you've found your desert place, begin to assess your life. Ask yourself, what is helping me to grow in grace and stay rooted in Jesus? And what things, people, places are making it hard for me? And then I would call you to the daily work of spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and courageously begin to respond to your, to your answers to these questions. If there are things in your life that are making it hard for you to stay rooted and to abide in Jesus, the courageous thing to do would begin to move those things out of your life. And that can seem scary. That can seem so discombobulating. But the the, the, the call today is to abide, to remain, to choose Jesus above and beyond all else. So, brothers and sisters, hear these two invitations. Slow down and experience God's love. And then slow down and express God's love. Diana Ross had a way of saying stop in the name of love that would make most any man that I know actually stop. Well, as persuasive as she was, Jesus is even more persuasive, and he's calling you and I today to stop in the name of love, to slow down and experience the love that I have for you, and then slow down and express the love that I have for you to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Here's my final thing before I pray for us. There are no shortcuts to bearing fruit. There are no shortcuts to bearing fruit. This is true for us as individuals, and this is true for us as a church. So I pray today that you will take advantage of this invitation to abide. I pray that you would use this summer here at Sanctuary as we've slowed down ministry. Take advantage of this opportunity to slow down and experience God's love so that in time you and I might express God's love to one another and to this community to which God has called us. My brother, my sister, my prayer for us today is that we will slow down and experience and express God's love. That we would, as Ms. Ross has told us today, stop in the name of love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to not do more but to first abide. Lord, we know there's so much happening in our world, so many things that cause us anxiety and and cause us to, to wonder, how can I be a part of changing what is wrong in this world? 
But in the midst of all the brokenness and all the need, you first call us to abide in you. Father, that's countercultural. That goes against what many of us know and, 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 and have been taught. But I pray in this season, God, you would help us to value spending time with you. Not as a way of getting away from what you've called us to, but as a way of preparing us for what you've called us to. So God, I pray for every brother or sister in this room and for all the things that are on their plate, all the things that they're balancing, all the things that their, their, their minds are, are consumed with. I pray, God, that you would help them to depend on you in new and fresh ways. I pray, Father, that we would know your love, that we would experience your love, in such a transformative way that we would know when it is time to go and share. God, I pray that you would get deep down in us. Go beyond our heads to our hearts and our hands and our feet. Help us to know that you are for us, not against us. God, our song reminds us today that you are good. You are good. So God, would you remind us of that, not just today, but every day and all throughout the day. Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters who, who are far from you this morning, who do not know your love. I pray, God, that someone would come to experience that love today for the first time. Help us, God, to be your people. And thank you for always being our God. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.